Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Baby Lock, The Electric Quilt Company, and Northcott. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. One of the best things that I, my guest has puppies. Can you hear my, the puppies? <laughs> yes. She's very so, excited right now. Yeah, right. She's excited so, I'm on the podcast. That's right. So Mallory Donahue, you know, just, she, she just gets this amazing welcome introduced by the puppies at home. Uh, so Mallory and I met because we both work with uh, Baby Lock, and that's one of the fun things about working with a company like that is meeting other designers and ambassadors and people who do amazing things with sewing machines and with fabric. So Mallory, I'm really excited you're here. Yeah, um, am I kind of an atypical guest for you, Pat? Um, no, Mallory does more clothing uh, than anything. Yeah. But, yeah, this, <laughs> that's what she means by that. Uh, and and I do have, no, I do have people come on here that do more, because, you know, a lot of quilters now make clothing. You know, they may yes. not. You know, you have to be their it's melding together thing. more, right? Yeah. You know, it had a big resurgence with, you know, in the past few years, because people, we have all this fabric, Mallory. We want to we know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, that is, um, it's been fun for me because I've loved to see it kind of, uh, come back. It's always been my passion and my mother's, and that's who I run my business with. And so um, it's been fun to see it come back and sort of not be looked at as crazy when we want to make our own underwear or our own jeans or something like that. <laughs> nice. you, and, you and your mother, ZD, owned a quilt store for a long time. Were you? Was Did she own that when you uh, were also little? Well, she, uh, so it wasn't ever a quilt store. We were always One like star. the only store in town who didn't necessarily, you know, focus on that. Um, mm-hmm. and so she worked at the store when we moved to Columbia, Missouri, uh, when I was five, I would come home or come to the shop after school and fall asleep under the desk mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> after school. And then she ended up buying the business when I was around 15 or 16. So I worked uh, there through high school and college and ended up taking over, actually, after I graduated from college. Um, and then we ended up moving our business completely online after that. So now we work from our home, and we teach and talk about garment sewing and fitting and uh, just nurture a community of stitchers who are very supportive of one another. Uh, just from our house. So it's kind of interesting to see how technology has affected the sewing world too. It is. Technology has made everything just incredibly amazing. It also brings its own sets of, of complications, just like anything. Yes. But it, <laughs> it, you know, it opens the world though, because you can meet people now and, and you can teach people all over the world versus them finding your, your shop. Yeah, I misspoke when I said it was a quilt shop. You had a sewing, a sewing shop. Um, yeah, we know, always, when, we called it a sewing studio is what we called ah, it. So. <laughs> ah, I like that. I like that. Now, one of the things you told me um, is that you like to work with a lot of different textiles. And when you were teaching in the in the shop, what did you find people would be sort of like crazy about? Would be like, oh, I've never used this type of fabric. What do I do? 
Uh, people would get kind of uh, nuts about nips, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they would be um, very skeptical that they could ever sew clothing that was made from the fabrics that they, you know, found in the stores. And so we, we were baby lock dealers, and they, of course, have lovely, amazing sergers that mm-hmm. make sewing knits super easy. Of course, you can do this on a normal sewing machine as well. Um, but, yeah, the knits were always kind of something that people seemed a little fearful about, but then super empowered once they got to sew something that really, um, you know, that worked for them, uh, something that fit or something that they could, you know, would turn out and be successful for them. So I, th- I think in my, in our area, people were uh, most excited to work with those. And what are you finding right now? Is it the same that people still have that sort of, <laughs> or have they gotten used to knits? I feel like in our in our Facebook group, so that's kind of I call that my online shop. You know, so mm-hmm. instead of going in and opening up a store, I am checking in on the group and making sure everybody's happy. Um, I feel like we either get a stitcher who comes in and they say, "I've never worked with wovens before. I love knits. I only want to wear knits." Convince me that I can sew with wovens that I can fit a woven garment, or we'll get it the other way around where they say, "I've only ever sewn." woven garments, somebody mm-hmm. tell me where to start with knits. So, uh, and it really seems to not be exclusive to like age group or anything like that. We'll have, you know, um, stitchers who are my age, you know, late twenties, early thirties who say one thing and, uh, stitchers who are like my mom's age, you know, who mm-hmm. say the same thing. And that multi-generational perspective, I think is something that people enjoy about our, you know, our brand of sewing media. So, uh, the, the, explaining how knit garments work versus how woven garments work is a big part of the discussion I think that goes on in the group. Right. And what and what is the name of your group on Facebook? Yeah, it's called the Self Sewn Wardrobe. Okay. And uh I think it's got my name in it too. It's the Self Sewn Wardrobe by Mallory Donahue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started that I think about I guess it was oh a year and a half or something after we started our podcast and people were so excited to be able to interact with ZD and I online mm-hmm. after they'd been hearing our voices. I mean, it must be kind of like your group, Pat. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we started that and it's, it's really kind of blown up since then and become a really beautiful thing uh, on, in the Facebook group. Um, no, nope. I thought it would be a little separate from our podcast, but it's all right. just melded together beautifully. One of the really interesting things I think about you and your your mom ZD uh, is that you're both really amazing teachers, and oh thank super, you <laughs> yeah and, and you're super patient <laughs> because you taught a whole group of us uh, ambassadors how to not only sew our own uh, leggings but we had to design them and you walked that's we, right. We, yeah, you had us like powering through that whole thing and it was, it was fascinating to learn about the fitting part of it because nowadays in the quilt shops, you know, not only sewing shops and, and studios, but quilt shops have a lot of knits that mm-hmm. are being made by the, the quilt manufacturers. You know, a designer will come out right. with a, some of the prints and knits. So, you know, we're encountering them and want to use them. They're, they're really pretty. What, you know, what can people start with first that gets them over that hump, particularly if they don't, like, have a serger? 
Sure. Um, and actually, so the leggings class that we taught to you all, it's called our Made to Measure Leggings class. And really, if you're someone who wants to learn how to work with knit, no matter what equipment you have, and feels frustrated by leggings that you buy in the store, I really would quite, you know, um, unashamedly recommend the Made to Measure Leggings class because you're not going to be dealing with fit issues. You know, we'll have people make a tweak or two to their pattern after watching the videos, but, you know, you can buy a legging pattern, you know, uh, and, and use your sewing machine uh, or your serger to create leggings, and people wear them so often nowadays as tights mm-hmm. or as workout wear or lounge wear. You know, they can mm-hmm. they can be anything. And, uh, you, yeah, you don't have to have a serger um, in order to work with knits. And we teach uh, the classes really threefold it's, or fourfold. It's the measuring, it's the drafting, um, and then the construction, whether you have a sewing machine or a serger. So, honestly, I know it might sound really intimidating and really scary, to say, oh, I'm going to make my first garment and I'm going to draft it myself. Oh, my gosh. But it really sets you up for a bit more success in the beginning. So if you have a, you know, a full a full bum or a full belly or you're like, oh, my leggings are always rolling down off my waist or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, we put that in the class. We, we help you to address all those things ahead of time. Yeah, that's what I noticed uh, because I, I I tell you, Mallory, I think I've told you this before. Like I learned to sew by making clothing badly. I mean, that was just, you know, it was, you know, that that was how I did it because I'm just not, this, this never was really my thing. I eventually got figured out one or two patterns that I made over and over again until I learned to quilt. But uh-huh. you, when you all went through that with us, you basically, you know, you told us, like, I think your mom, I think ZD was standing there going, and see, the crotch is, like, too low. And it was just really fascinating that she would, you would, both of them, you were explaining how to correct that. Just like when you make quilts, there's a reason why the points don't line up, you know, if you uh-huh. haven't. You know, there's, there's, but once you know that reason, everything, it's like it's magic. It takes away the problem to know how to why there was a problem to begin with. Does that I make totally, sense? I totally agree. Yeah. When yeah. you, when you can kind of understand the issue behind what you're working on, it makes it so much easier. And I think especially with clothing, it can feel really personal when you're correcting something. Like if we talk about correcting a garment, sometimes at the beginning of someone's sewing journey, they almost feel like they can't talk about correcting the garment without sort of like being down on their body. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, oh, we have to correct for this or correct for that. And so we try to go about it, like, in that way to be a little bit more informative. And, you know, the right amount of fabric in the right places is going to mm-hmm. give you the right fit. You know, it doesn't matter if you're outside some kind of, uh, you know, sample size or something like that. Because, you know, almost all of us are in right. some way proportion differently from what a pattern designer has, you know, is working with. Um, and that, that way of explaining, I think it can just take a whole lot of weight off your shoulders, whether you're trying to, you know, figure out a problem with sewing or with fitting, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, it totally, totally makes sense to know sort of the, the backstory or know the, the, why the why of of how the mm-hmm. process you know this always goes so fast Mallory we have I don't know about 45 seconds what do you guys have coming up well uh that's a good question so we are currently uh we've released a couple of drafting guides so we have two online classes 
made to measure leggings, the easy tee. And then we created some drafting guides that have some lines, you know, down on the paper that you can use in order to draft patterns for underwear um, and a T-shirt. So we're going to be coming out with some active wear stuff in April, uh, a princess line rash guard um, and maybe a bodysuit as well. So that's what's coming up for SoHere.com. Super. Everybody visit Mallory and Zidi out at SoHereHere.com, and you can find their podcast and their Facebook group and learn amazing things from these two. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pat. Layer cakes, jelly rolls, honey buns, and turnovers. Oh, my. Inspiration for your favorite Moda Fabrics pre-cuts are just a click away at the Moda Bake Shop. Search the vast catalog of free patterns by project type or by pre-cut. The Bake Shop chefs are also cooking up fun all year long to celebrate the Bake Shop's 10th anniversary with quilt-alongs, giveaways, challenges, and sewing tips. Visit ModaBakeShop.com for all the fun. Want to design your own quilts? Now you can with Electric Quilt 8 software. Design quilts, blocks, and import your favorite fabrics. Or use any of the thousands of designs in the library. Podcast listeners, take 20% off your purchase through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan, and what's so fun is that we get... Uh, different manufacturers and different companies that go ahead and sponsor part of our show uh, each year. And EQ, Electric Quilt, is a new sponsor for us. And I'm super excited because okay. they have this whole array of ambassadors who know and teach Electric Quilt. And so I wanted to have, over this course of time, a few people come on and do a little bit more detailed discussion of Electric Quilt. So my really good friend, Nancy Mahoney, who has been on the show many times, is an uh, expert at, at Electric Quilt. So hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Pat. You know what? I am, you know, I'm just so excited because with Electric Quilt, people can be designers like, I don't know, it seems like in a minute almost. It seems that easy. Well, it is, if, but it does take a little bit of learning how to use it. And, you know, I started a long time ago, so now it's kind of like second nature to me. Yeah. Yeah. I was joking. A minute takes much longer than a minute, but it, it really is set up and designed for quilters. So it's not a generic type of software program, you know, design program. Uh, when, how did you first hear about electric quilt yourself? Oh, it was, it was a long time ago, back when I lived in Seattle and I used to work for Clothworks and I met him at quilt market. So (gasps) this is mid nineties. And EQ3 has just come out, which was a DOS-based program. That's how long ago it was. Oh, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's what most people say. Oh, and uh, yeah, I was, I, you know, I was like hooked immediately because that has been one of the things I have always loved the most about quilting is designing my own quilts. Yeah, and I love like on the the, the Nancy's website is nancymahoney.com, and you can just see her uh, some diagrams where she took it from her electric quilt quilt to the real quilt that was then published somewhere. So that's a, kind of a neat little side thing. Nancy, I thought we would do a, a bit of like certain topics, you know, like how things can be used, like for people who might already be using electric quilts. Like hexagons are super big. What's going on with electric quilt and hexagons? How can people use it more effectively? Well, there's a couple different things they can do with hexagons in electric quilt. And one of them is that there are hexagons in the block libraries. But mm-hmm. those hexagons, if you want to just print them out and be able to um, cut them apart and use them as your foundations for doing, you know, English paper piecing, they're great mm-hmm. to use that way. But one of the things that's difficult with them is that they, they include a background. Mm-hmm. But you can draw your own hexagons. It's, it takes a little bit of practice, and it's using mm-hmm. one of the tools that's not used by very many people, but it's called a polyline tool. And you can find it on your block work table, and, there, and it'll ask you, and you'll see the polyline, and you just click on or polydraw, and you just mm-hmm. click on it, and then you have to choose a grid style. And the one that you want to choose is called circles. And from circles, then you select your number of rings and your number of spokes, and you can then draw your own hexagons and divide them however you want and make pieced hexagons. Hmm. So that would be great for somebody who wants to, you know, like how you know how there's so many beautiful mosaics that you see, Nancy? Like you might want to create a drawing like that so you can recreate it for the quilt. Well, you could, or, you know, the Millie Fior quilts that you see, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could draw your own designs. Ah, okay. So do you have a hexagon quilt in progress? Well, you know, I have been making little three-quarter inch hexagons (gasps) for years. (laughs) 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 That I just don't know what I'm going to do with them. But one of the things I can do with them is within Electric Quilt, they have, what's called a one-patch draw. And it's, under your, it's on your quilt work table, and it's, it's one-patch draw. And one of the designs that you can use is a hexagon. Mm-hmm. And so oh, I can okay. decide if I'm going to do a grandmother's flower garden or if I'm going to mm-hmm. do a star design. Or, and I can just paint these hexagons using the paintbrush tool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, then, yes, because you have to put some color in them because otherwise they're hard to see your design, you know. Right. And if, and yeah. if you want to do something, and see, I want to do something besides just the grand, not just the mm-hmm. grandmother's flower garden. Right. But I, want, I don't want to do a grandmother's flower garden. Right. I want to do something different. So That's the way I am. Yeah. You know, I want to. Yeah. I own so several of them. Why do I need to make one is kind of the way I feel about it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's so, my philosophy of collecting vintage quilts. If I right. collect a vintage quilt, I don't have to make it. Right. So I own several of them. So I want to do something different with my hexagons. And an electric quilt, I can do that. I can play with the colors and come up with a design that I can then sew my hexagons together. So let's switch now. Let's talk about a different type of diagram. You know, I am in love with New York Beauties. That spiky, you know, shape just is so enticing to me. There's also like Mariner's Compass blocks and all of these sort of shapes that are um, 
to have more angles. I guess that's how I would phrase it. What do what do you have going on at EQ to handle that? Well, you can draw those. They're very easy to draw, either using the PolyDraw tool or even just your Easy Draw tools. Because in the Easy Draw, you can draw arcs. And once you draw the arcs, you can then, there's tools that allow you to divide the arcs into, it's called um, stagger and partition. And by using stagger and partition, you can, you need nodes. Mm -hmm. In any Q, you need nodes that you draw one line, a line from a node to a node. And when you use um, stagger and partition, you can make it so the lines are staggered like you Mm -hmm. would in a New York Beauty. So that's one way you can draw them. They have lots of them in the block library. There's like oh, 6,000 blocks in the block library. So you oh. can just, just you know, get download one. it. Yeah. yeah, take it out of the block that's library. That's easy. That's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> or, again, you can use the PolyDraw tool to draw mm-hmm. any kind of compass or any kind of arc or any kind of New York Beauty block that you want to draw. Those blocks, you know what I was just thinking, Nancy? I haven't seen a lot of people making those lately. You know, they sort of, every you know how blocks go in phases. Like I was I just do. thinking of compass block. Back wave when I first started to quilt, that was like a mariner's compass block was everybody was making them. Um, so you need to start a resurgence, Nancy, of these. I do. I do need yeah. to. And I keep working <laughs> on people that do feathered stars, you know. Ah. <laughs> uh. Your feathered stars are amazing. The one that you gave me, the black and white and and red, holy cow. So that's really, that's gorgeous. Uh, so talk about, talk about that then. Talk about the, you know, lone stars, feather stars, they all kind of have that, that shape. Well, again, you can find the blocks in the block library. So you don't really even need to draw them if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you can. Draw them if you want, choose to, and I've drawn some of my own, but they're a little bit, feather stars are a little bit more complicated to draw. But yeah. the, 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 what I sent you was actually in the, what's called the layout library, which okay. is a part of Electric Quilt. Where, within the, the quilt work table, they have all different layouts. So they have hexagon, or I'm sorry, horizontal and on point and, you know, one patch and vertical stripes kind of thing. Well, they have one. They also have the layout library. And they are about, um, they're pre-designed quilt layouts, what they are. And so, so the they have layout, stars in there. Like the they're full quilt, quilt layout. layout. Yeah. Okay. They, they're, uh, they're a pre-designed layout. And once you click on there, you then save it to what's called your sketchbook, and then you open it on your quilt work table. Mm-hmm. Then you can plug in blocks, and that's what I did is I just plugged in blocks. And I found um, asymmetrical blocks work really well in a Lone Star type of layout because it creates those diamond shapes. Yeah, those shapes are so cool. I mean, they – and they're not – I mean, they, they take some, you know, like for sewing them. You, you, you don't just sort of mindlessly zip through them. But once you get used to making them, they're not that – they're not bad. They're not hard at all. You know, everything, I'm always amazed that people ask me what the skill level is on a quilt. It's only as hard as you think it is. Right. Because <laughs> we've all heard of the person whose first quilt was a mariner's compass, you know. Right. They didn't know it was hard. <laughs> so, right. I know. I love those stories. It's like, no, I made a king-size mariner's compass, you know, with 800 blocks for my first quilt, you know. It's right. like, yay. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's, it's really as hard as you think it's going to be. But, mm-hmm. you know, with those diamond shapes, you'd want to do templates. And that's mm-hmm. something that's really easy to print out using Electric Quilt. Electric Quilt gives you different options of how to print things out. It will print out the rotary cutting instructions if you are doing a block that's rotary cuttable. Mm-hmm. Um, you can print out templates if you have odd-shaped pieces like you would in a Lone Star, um, mm-hmm. like I showed you. Or if you have applique patterns, you can print those out, and you're not including a seam allowance on those, so you can turn off the seam allowance. And you can print out foundation paper piecing blocks. So there's lots of different ways to print blocks out, too. Now, do you, do you also yourself teach any classes on electric quilt? I do. I do. Okay. okay so and it's like really it's... a good thing to take. You know, I think for most people, if you're new, particularly if you're new to it, but even if you've just played around with it a little bit, taking a class where you can have hands-on, someone showing you what to do, um, mm-hmm. really is helpful. And so people bring their they put they can put it on a laptop and bring their laptop yes. and yes. yeah yeah they come to class with the program loaded on their laptop. Um, you want always want to make sure you bring your electrical cord because <laughs> plug in and not rely on your battery. And I really yeah. encourage people to bring their mouse and not try and just mm-hmm. use their touchpad on their yeah. laptop. It's much easier if you have your mouse to use. And yeah. I set up my laptop with my projector so that you see what I'm doing on a screen. Oh, nice. Yeah. So do you have a list of, you know, on your website you have a place where people can write to you about your workshops and lectures so they can hire you. Do you also have where you're going to be teaching? I do. I I have my teaching schedule on on my website. And I have a couple upcoming classes, um, you know, around the country. So just... Hmm. Watch for those, and usually I try and post that on Facebook as well. You know, I'm going to yeah. be teaching something somewhere. So we have about a little bit more than a minute, Nancy. What is one little known? What is like one little jewel that people don't realize is in electric quilt? Oh, you know, it's amazing. Just there's just so much there. I think what's um, what people need to realize is that it's really much more user friendly than you think it's going to be. When I first started using it, I just played with it. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I beta tested it and really started to learn all of it that I learned how powerful it really is. And, and it's really a game changer. Mm-hmm. If you can think of it as like an adult coloring book, a quilt yeah. coloring book, you'll have a <laughs> lot of fun with it. Yeah. That, and because you can save all this, you know, you, people will just design, I know people who just like, they spend a lot of their fun hobby of quilting actually just designing in electric quilt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can go on to the EQ website and they have all kinds of free lessons that you can take and they have a design and discover uh, that you can participate in and they have their block spotlight, block Mm -hmm. spotlight that you can participate (laughs) in where they spotlight, that's a tough word to say, um, one block a month and then you know, you, you use that block to design your own quilt and then you can post it online on their website. So all of those things are really fun. Thank you, Nancy. This has been so informative. Well, it's been my pleasure. It's always fun to chat with you, Pat. Thanks, Nancy. Everybody visit Nancy at nancymahoney.com and learn about her work and Electric Quilt.
My sewing machine is the heart and soul of my design process, and working on a machine that clicks with me makes it easy for me to create. That's why I use a variety of baby lock machines, especially the Crescendo. BabyLock has thought through everything I need to have to create amazing quilts. I love that the control panel on my Crescendo is so intuitive and easy to use. Best of all, it's large enough to see clearly. The Crescendo's features remind me that everything BabyLock does is for the love of sewing. Make your next quilt project a piece of cake using cake mix recipes from Moda Fabrics. This unique triangle paper is designed to work in conjunction with Moda's 10-inch square and 5-inch square pre-cuts that make baking a layer cake or charm square quilt easier than ever. Each pad includes enough sheets for each piece in your pre-cut stack, including a few extras for practice, plus a few simple block and layout ideas. Just mix with one or two Moda layer cakes or charm packs and you're ready to start stitching. Pick up ingredients for cake and cupcake mix recipes at your local quilt shop. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. To continue the show of having things that are all about what we do with fabric, but not quite exactly diving wholeheartedly into patchwork here in our discussion is the second half of the show we're going to talk about mending but mending isn't what you think it is at least uh maybe not for a lot of us my friend jenny wilding carden is uh an author she works for martingale also doing their uh social media you'll see her name for all their blog posts um she takes all the beautiful pictures and things happen on the internet that you see from martingale she has been doing a lot of um sort of thrifting and, and recycling of clothing her, pretty much her whole life and has this wonderful book called Visible Mending. And you may have been seeing pictures of this concept of mending your clothes on the outside so that you can see it as a decorative element. So Jenny wrote a whole book about it, and we are going to talk this whole half of the show about about this because it's fun. Jenny, it's so fun. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about it, too. <laughs> you know, when this stuff started popping up where I could see it, a lot of it people are doing on their jeans where you can see they're doing like rows of stitching in a high contrast color. They might put some patchwork on there. You know, and I thought about it, Ginny, because years ago, like, okay, back in the early 70s, <laughs> uh, that that many years ago, there was a girl in my high school and she uh-huh. she fascinated me because she would make these mends on her jeans. She would make pockets on the outside, like uh-huh. with zippers, and then she would put her like bus money in there. But the pockets <laughs> were generally on the inside, like of her pant legs, where there was a tear or she was had them too tight or whatever. So they All were right. kind of they were odd. They weren't normal uh-huh. stuff you were seeing. <laughs> What? Something out of the ordinary, huh? Yes. When you know, when did you start looking at clothing and thinking a little differently about it? Well, I'll tell you, I have been messing around with clothes since, since my mom would let me use a sewing machine. Um, you know, my mom and I together took some classes together on garment sewing when I was younger. And once I had a, just a 
few basic, basic skills under my belt. I would make something crazy and then make my friends wear them to school. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of how it started. And I was, I could never wear them myself, but I did, I did make them wear them. Oh, they were crazy. Some of them you couldn't even walk in. <laughs> but like I grew up in the like, 80s, so, you know, I have an yeah, excuse. Yeah, like you would design, but, uh, like, pants, like pants or dresses, and then you would tell your friends to wear them? Yeah, uh-huh, skirts. I did a lot of skirts oh, with skirts. really tiny, tiny little bottoms, so they'd have to just kind of, like, scoot along through the hallways oh. at high school. And <laughs> <laughs> They were good models. But, you know, that's kind of where it started. I've always been sort of interested in it and just – doing a little different things fashion-wise. And um, then I moved to Seattle for three years with my husband, and that's when I got a job at Martingale, who publishes quilt books. And um, I hadn't sewn for a really long time in college, but once I started working there, I mean, you basically have to become a quilter right. or a sewer right. or something. Right. <laughs> you know, it kind of like if you don't, it kind of doesn't work out for you. You know, you got right. <laughs> <laughs> um but so I got really immersed in the quilt making world and all my coworkers were, you know, buy this and do that and try this. And, mm-hmm. uh, my first quilt was a little, it was a quilt, a, de, a design by Little Quilts, if you remember them. Mm-hmm. I and do. It was, yeah, it was hand pieced, hand appliqued, hand quilted and hand bound because <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. have a sewing machine. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I learned my lesson there. So now, you know, immediately after that, I got myself a sewing machine. Yeah. But, yeah, the uh, binding part. Binding, putting binding on by hand, all by hand. It's like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crazy, right? That hasn't <laughs> happened since. <laughs> I can guarantee. <laughs> now, yeah. one of the things you told me is that you really like thrifting, Um Mm-hmm. And not just, I mean, I don't, do you thrift clothing and other things or you sort of, or do you stay more on thrifted clothing? Mostly it's clothing, but I walk, I walk every part of the store. I, whenever I go thrifting, it's an event for me. I spend one to two hours <laughs> there and I just say, I'm going to enjoy myself. Um, you really can't run in and out like you would at a store, you know, a, a store with new things run in and out. You just got to take your time and walk through, um, and, you know, you find, it, to me, it's entertainment, partially. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. looking for things, but it's also really fun. Like, you'll find a sweater that you can tell somebody hand-knitted and something went wrong, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can find a lot of gems, too. And that's what kind of led me uh, led me to mending is when you are thrifting clothes, you can find imperfections. So there might be a hole somewhere weird. I mean, a ripped seam or some weird stain or something like that. And, um, you know, before I really got myself immersed in mending, I would stay away from those things because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to fix that. And that hole's just going to get bigger. You know, I don't want to get that and spend my money on something that just, you know, the hole's going to get bigger and bigger as we go. Um, But, you know, a couple of years ago, I started seeing, the trend of visible mending and it just really excited me because mending just that one word alone to me sounds kind of scary. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like old school darning your socks and trying to make the heel look exactly like it looked before it was there and, and those kind of things. Um, but the visible aspect to me just, I was like, what this, sounds mm-hmm. so fun and I can totally do that. I can mend something and people will know I mended it. <laughs> I 
I can do that. That's not as big of a challenge. But it's also really creative. I mean, you can take a hole, you can patch it with a fun fabric, you can do all kinds of different embroidery stitches on it. Um, you know, and in my book, I have five different techniques. Um, and one is probably my favorite. It's called burrow stitching. And it's kind of derived from long ago when Japanese farmers would patch their kimonos and their futons and mm-hmm. stuff like that with just very simple patches of fabric and very simple what we would call a running stitch. Right. And, you know, back then it used to be sort of something that was looked down upon, but now you can go to an art gallery and see these old pieces of, you know, boral stitching from Japan, and they are incredible. Um and it's just year after year and patch after patch and stitch after stitch, and they're just incredible to, to see. Um, but that's one of my favorite techniques from the book, and it's let's, all hand-done. So. Let's um, let's back up a bit before we huh. talk about some other things that, you know, the actual doing part, because I want to get to that mm-hmm. when we after the break, But because uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about, you know, the actual stitching. But, but, but finding... I want to know how you figure out what can be mended, I guess. That would be it because mm-hmm. not only your own clothes, but I'm I'm sort of interested in if you are thrifting and you see something, what you know, what degree of mendingness, you know, I mean, how do you figure out mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I want to do something to this one but not to that one. You know, that one's right. too far gone or mm-hmm. has other issues. Yeah. I guess that's probably kind of a personal choice depending on your skills. But mm-hmm. um, for me, you know, if there's something that's in a really conspicuous place, like maybe on your chest or something, like maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could mend that. You could try and be a little bit more subtle about a mend like that. But um, And there are ways to do that for sure. But um, I guess it just depends on – it really depends. What I, what I really um, – advise is to try on everything if you're thrifting at a thrift store. Never walk away and buy something you haven't tried on Um, because you can find things that you didn't know were there. If you Mm -hmm. don't try them on, there may be a little seam separation somewhere or there may be like a blemish or something that you didn't see before and then you see it on your body, you know, and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was there and can I fix it? Can I mend Mm -hmm. it? You know, things like that, Yeah. That's but then what when you actually let's say you find a piece and you're like okay it's just got um you know like a hole but you know like you know sweaters have the elbow I mean I think that was like maybe the first mending Jenny like when people put leather yeah. patches on elbows probably like, <laughs> <laughs> that and socks uh, I don't know I've never mm-hmm. darned a sock but you know I hear it's done um yeah. you know, but if you you find you find something and you take it home what is your pro do you wash it right away. Always, yeah. always wash it. Always check how to wash it when I'm still in the store mm-hmm. um, just to make sure I want to, you know, if it's something that's delicate and needs to be hand washed and dried with a hair dryer or, you know, whatever the tag <laughs> says, um, you know, to make sure that I can actually commit to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I always, always look for that first. And um, so yeah. let's let's talk about the types of things we can mend because that's mm-hmm. where, you know, 
I think, first of all, people think about jeans because you get jeans that you just end up loving them and Mm -hmm. they wear out in places that are not attractive, like basically the crotch area for a lot of people for whatever reason, Um, (laughs) the knees uh, or it gets mm-hmm. snagged somewhere and gets a rip, you know, you mm-hmm. caught it on something. But what else besides jeans, you know, that's kind of the, you know, that's on the cover of your book too. It has a gorgeous mm. pair of jeans. What else are, are you mending? Just give me a list, like a laundry list of items. Yeah. So I feel like you can mend anything. I, I really, if, if it's fabric, there's a way to mend it. Um, sweaters, knits, which I know a lot of people have their favorite t-shirts. And their Mm T-shirts start to get little holes in them. And what I've heard is a lot of times people have told me, you know, I like always, I put on my my favorite T-shirt after I get home from work and then I'm like doing the dishes or whatever. And it's, the shirt is rubbing against the counter, you know, Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes while I'm doing the dishes. And over time, like right across the belly, these little holes start to form, you know. And um, so that's like a problem area. And, um, but yeah, knit T-shirts is a big one. Um you know, things jackets? that are, like, made of rayon. Jackets? jackets? Yeah. Like oh, coats? yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jackets, okay. Um, tablecloth, linens, mm. sheets. I've uh, seen, you know, and that's really for practicality is just to, you know, mm-hmm. keep a sheet that might have had a rip in it or something like that. But, you know, I love about, I love what I love about visible mending. It's, it's really creative and it can be beautiful or funky or whatever you want. But it, in the end, it's really practical, too. So, you know, kind of worth learning the techniques. And then getting creative is just the fun part. And are you mending quilts, too? I mean, I always think of, like, applique. But some of this stuff seems like we could use it on a quilt that got a rip or a seam split. Absolutely, yes. And um, I've done, you know, patches is the obvious choice. That, you know, mm-hmm. like an applique patch or something like that. But I've done borrow stitching on an old quilt that I got at uh, an antique store in Texas, actually, when I was at quilt market one year. And um, I took charm squares and cut them in half into triangles, and then I just sort of set them up over this part of the quilt that was, you know, the batting was coming out and the stitches were mm-hmm. loose, and I just kind of made this little flying geese pattern kind of um, over it and then I just Cute. used a running stitch all up and down all the charm squares and it I love how it turned out and um, you know that's well, we're gonna, really we're gonna take a break way. Jenny okay and mm-hmm, then when we come sure. back we're gonna talk details great <laughs> we'll be right back at the beginning design your next quilt like the pros quilt designers nancy mahoney and alice blythe both use electric quilt 8 software to design their gorgeous quilts and you can too get eq8 and start designing just minutes after you purchase podcast listeners take 20 percent off through may 31st 2019 with code pod eq8 that's p-o-d EQ8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. I want to talk for a minute about Baby Lock. They're passionate about sewing and they're the most knowledgeable group that I've worked with. They want to make all of our experiences successful. 
Baby Lock is wonderfully realistic when it comes to their machine lineup. They have a range of machines in various categories and a variety of features. If you don't need a certain function, you can just find a machine that fits you. And best of all, they include my designs on the new Solaris. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat, Pat Sloan, and I'm talking to Jenny Wilding Carden about her amazing book, Visible Mending. <laughs> so, Jenny, I know, Jenny, it just makes me excited because I have really done none of this. I have been looking at it mm-hmm. and thinking, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to do this. I want to rip my jeans. I don't have any jeans with holes in them. Why? What is that? <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh, no jeans with holes. Oh, I see. So, I hear you. <laughs> okay, went out for a sec there. Ah, so you're back. You're back. So it was, I don't We're have back. jeans with holes. Do you ever like you know just mend something that doesn't actually have a hole yet? Absolutely, it's just too fun. I can't help myself. <laughs> uh, one funny story is that I had this pretty linen blue dress, and it had a hole at the bottom, and um. I was using a patch, a, um, a linen patch to mend it. And you know how sometimes when you're stitching something and you go through the back and you grab two layers of fabric instead of one? Mm. Um, well, I did that, and I actually created a new hole for myself to mend. So oh. that was fun. At first I was sort of upset, but then I'm like, wait, I can do this. You know, I'm already doing it. I might as well do one more. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, to me, it's a little bit addicting actually. Like, um, I, I, I kind of feel like I want my clothes to have that little bit of originality. And if I can do, you know, a little bit of darning on just in one little area that's kind of eye catching or, you know, something like that. Like I did that on a scarf recently where there was nothing wrong with it, but I just mm-hmm. put a little bit of darning on it and I thought it made it look really, you know, really unique and fun. So, yeah. So you can do it. This, if you don't have anything that needs mended, you could just mend it anyways. And, well, um, sure. <laughs> well, well, let's let's talk. You were touching on the burrow stitching, which I think is the mm-hmm. one, the technique where people sort of understand what that is. Once you just like looks like running stitches, and and mm-hmm. often it will have layers of fabric. Uh, right. What is the? I love the book because you went through and showed sort of the process step by step and how where you started, what you stopped. But tell me a little bit about the thread you use to do something like this. Threads. Oh, yes. Threads are fun. And there are so many different ways you can go. Um, for something like borrow stitching, I, I do like to use a thicker thread. And um, they do have sashiko thread that I think does really well. And it has a nice flat finish to it. But if you wanted to, you could use pearl cotton, maybe a three or a five uh, size pearl cotton. And that has more of a sheen to it. And it's got that twist in it, which can give a different kind of look to it. Um, I use all kinds of embroidery threads, you know, one thread, two threads, six threads off the skein. Um, and then I have a section in the book on machine mending. So, you know, all kinds of machine threads are great for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some and people use just yarn are sometimes. like, a, you know, there's people allergic to handwork. So, you know, it's good to know yes. they can do this on the machine. <laughs> right. Right. Pedal to the metal. Yeah. 
And that's a really fun way to mend as well. Yeah. So are you leaving the edges raw a lot of times when you, or, you know, or does it vary of the, of the patchwork when you're layering Mm -hmm. patchwork and you're, you know, sewing it down over uh, the rip or the tear or just the deck to Mm -hmm. be decorative, are the edges raw? It's really up up to the the maker, I think. Um, for boral stitching, I do usually use raw edges, and then I, because I kind of love how once you wash it and dry it, it gets all you know soft and frayed, and I kind of love that look. And um, but you know, some people don't. Some some people like a neater look. So, like for instance, in the book, I have a girl's dress that has three different patches on it, and they're made with four patches. So your typical four patch. In quilting, I did in a few different sizes, and then I did turn the edges under and just hand applicate it over the over the mend. Um, mm-hmm. But it really is a personal choice. I think you can go either way. Yeah, and it's nice because you actually have uh, pictures of both, so that people can see the difference of because it's, sometimes it's hard to visualize if you don't have that, you know, some right. sample of it. Um, right, and I think the the pictures really do. Um, help because the book is really just technique based and the reason is Mm -hmm. because I mean nobody's going to have the same kind of hole or the same kind of (laughs) rip or the same you know nobody's going to have identical so you can't do a project book with this kind of thing but if you kind of get the basics of those five techniques and then you have a men that presents itself to you you can be like okay which of these five techniques is going to be the best for this particular hole or whatever. And, um, you know, having those techniques under your belt, it's just like quilt making, I think, you know, um, just having an arsenal of things that you can do is a good thing, you know. You know, the other, I, I, I agree totally. You need to have mm-hmm. like a tool set. This is your tool set, right. you know, and then you can decide yeah. which one will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on your right. website, your personal website, you have remadenation.com is your website. And I just love the one pair of jeans where you have the fabric behind the hole. So like you're not covering up the mm-hmm. hole. You can see the hole and then you have like cute fabric and then it's, it's by the knee of the jeans. And then you did uh-huh. the burrow stitching like, like a pool, like, you know, circular all the way out from that. How, oh, right, tell me yeah. about that piece of fabric underneath. Is it big? Is it just fit right at the edge? What is that? Yeah, um, I remember doing that. That's on one of my favorite pairs of jeans that I've had forever. I think they have more patches than <laughs> denim now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that is just a piece, you know, I got it, you know, I'm a quilt maker and I was, mm-hmm. I've been a quilt maker since 1997 and that's from a fat quarter pack. Um, but it's just oh. some, a fun flower motif, but, uh, I usually cut a patch to go, you'd call it, well, what we call it is an under patch. There's an over patch and an under patch. So for an under patch, I would probably cut a piece of fabric that was at least half an inch all the way around um, bigger than the hole, just so when you go through and, and um, stitch those running stitches that you have a nice solid mend that's going to last you, you know. And um, those circular stitches around the hole that kind of radiate out, I think that just kind of helps with the um, stability and strength of the mend itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's what I was trying to envision was the fabric all the way out that it caught all the way out that radiating because that seems like it would be a little bulky. So. Oh, maybe. right. No, yeah, I, I think a half an inch is really, yeah. as long as you're catching all that fabric around, then I think it's, yeah, half an inch is a good, a good rule. Now, what about, 
like on do you put cotton onto like a sweater like or the jersey like t-shirt will you add just like a quilting cotton to cover that up I have I have used uh wovens on sweaters mm-hmm. um as patches and I've done like we were just talking about the under patches mm-hmm. um you know I think and you can do that a lot and mix different um kinds of fabrics as long as you're making sure that the bendy parts are going to be okay. So elbows and knees, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to have that kind of stretch. So, you know, a sweater mend, um, you know, that's maybe near on the sleeve, but maybe not directly on the elbow. I think I would mm-hmm. use, I would definitely use a woven patch on something like that because there's not really um, a chance that that's going to get stretched a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But so, like something something in the bendy places, I would try and stick with um, the original fabric or the original knit or or whatever you have, just just to make sure you have that stretch. So it's actually comfortable to wear after you mend it. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's like an excellent tip because you go put cotton huh. on it and now it doesn't move anymore. It's like- right. Yeah, kind of like those leather suede right. elbow patches. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, yeah, they have to design those to come with the sweater, you know, because otherwise yeah. it's like, oh, you get it on wrong. So you're also using <laughs> yarns too, or is that just, or is that embroidery floss? No, I do use yarn in several of the projects. Um, one of them, well, actually, I think most of them are on sweaters. Okay. So for me, I think it's really helpful when you're you're working on a sweater um, that's actually, you know, knit sweater that you try and find a weight that's similar to the yarn that's used in the sweater, mm-hmm. um, at least close to it. Uh, I think that helps with, you know, the bulk. I mean, if you go with a really thin thread, there's going to be maybe some show through and mm-hmm. it's maybe not going to feel as, I don't know, natural when you've got a really thin thread and a really thick sweater yeah. yarn. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but so what I like to do in that case is just really make it fun with the different colors, you know, so it really stands out. So for instance, in the book, I've got a gray sweater and I've used sort of a denim looking blue yarn to do a couple of darns on one on the elbow and one near the neckline, but it's in this blue. Um, and it really does stand out on this, you know, solid colored, gray sweater which makes it really fun and unique yeah that's that's a really neat looking project i think that was be like i would try that that looks really pretty you also you yeah, have a cute right. hat that you put like <clears throat> it's like a striped wool hat and then you put little circular you know stitches so it's right. more decorative you were right yeah i just added a little something like i said i can't stop myself <laughs> so that hat I did, a, you know, it's just a tiny little hole in a wool hat, and I did the mend I, with some darning, and then I'm just like, oh, I need to do one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> just one it's kind of like just when they tell more. you when you're when you're uh, going out, and they tell you to look at yourself in the mirror and take away one accessory before you go mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do that. No. <laughs> I okay, go I'm going to have to look at all your clothing next time I see you, Jenny. You know that. <laughs> like I have to examine everything and see what's, what do you have. So for a quilt, mm. uh, you know, do you have you uh, done it where you sort of 
make it really obvious, you know, like not like added a flower or a leaf, but some other mm-hmm. shape? Um, on a quilt particularly, you know, the only quilt I've mended so far, well, that's not true. Um, you know, I had one quilt that the binding, and, you know, this happens a lot, lot after oh, a million yeah. washes, um, mm-hmm. is the binding starts to wear down. And, you know, I... I just did something very simple where I took a square of fabric, wrapped it around that area of the binding, and just took running stitches through it, um, and that's it. And it 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 didn't match the fabric; it just sort of complemented it, and it's definitely a, it stands out. Um, and you can tell that there's something different about that area. What is going on there? And um, yeah, it's just it's just been mended, but in a visible way. That's a, that's very a neat simply. idea because a lot of people have – the binding is always the first thing to go, even if you do yep. bias. If you're washing the piece a lot, that, right. you know, that'll be that'll be the place. So is there a hashtag to see more things like online, like at Instagram, that use for mending? Oh, absolutely. I would just – if you're more interested, um, hashtag visible mending. And what's really fun is um, a Instagram friend of mine started – Mend March. So you can follow that hashtag to Mend March. And she has a different uh, prompt every day for things that, to mend and things to show on Instagram. So I'm starting to participate in that. And that's really fun. She did it last year, too. So neat. those two hashtags neat, would be neat, a great neat. place to start. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been f- – now I need to mend. I'm just like, I'm going to go find something tonight. I hope you do, and I'm going to check your clothes when I see you oh. at Quilt Market. <laughs> I, better, I better add something. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> thank you. This is American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. Visit me at my Facebook group, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan, and find everything about the magazine at allpeoplequilt.com. See you next week. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. 